Welcome to the listener's commentary on the New Testament. Your guide is pastor and theologian Dr. John Whitaker, and the heart behind these studies is to help you better understand the text of Scripture so you can more fully live it out. It's all about helping you learn and live the Bible. Here is the book of Acts. All right, welcome to the listener's commentary on the book of Acts. The listener's commentary is a crowd-funded Bible teaching project aimed at helping people learn and live the Bible in the language of everyday life. And so at the outset of the book of Acts, let me say thank you to each and every one of you who make this uh, work and this resource possible by your generosity. May God bless you for it. All right. The book of Acts is such a exciting, fascinating, uh, wonderful, important Uh, book here in the New Testament. It really is the hinge between the story of Jesus and the Gospels and what we see about the church being addressed in the letters. And Acts is the, the hinge between those two because it tells the story of the beginning of the church. And so let me just in this session give a little bit of the backstory to Acts, a little bit of overview and some special facts and features. And just to introduce the story, Acts picks up right where the Gospel of Luke leaves off. In fact, Acts 1 begins with Jesus' post-resurrection appearances to the apostles. Right where the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke left off in Luke 24, Acts picks up there and acknowledges Jesus appearing to his followers for a period of 40 days. It uh, mentions the commission of the apostles to being witnesses, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and the ascension of Jesus back to the very throne of God. All the same sorts of things that we see at the end of the Gospel of Luke in Luke 24. And what Acts does then from that point is then it tells the story of how the the news about Jesus and the work of Jesus really continues through the apostles and how that message about Jesus spread from Jerusalem and uh, by and large uh, Jewish followers of Jesus to Rome, the very heart of empire, and now Gentiles being included into the new family of God formed in Jesus. And that's what Luke ultimately is all about, the spread of the church, the spread of the gospel, the spread of the family of Jesus from Jerusalem all the way to the heart of empire in Rome. And since Acts is written as volume two to the gospel of Luke, we just need to remember that it's written by the same person. It's written by Luke. And so you can look at the backstory to the gospel of Luke for a little bit uh, more detail on who Luke is. But just for our sake, at the beginning of the book of Acts, let's just hit a few highlights of what we know about Luke the man. Uh, Luke, as best as we can tell, is a Gentile, though uh, there are a number of scholars that suggest that's not necessarily the case. Uh, The reason we think Luke was a Gentile is because at the end of Colossians, as Paul is greeting various people, he mentions Luke, and in doing so, he seems to put him in a category other than Uh, those who are with Paul from the circumcision. That is, those who are with Paul and are Jews. And so it seems like uh, Luke is a Gentile. 
We also learn from the end of Colossians there that Luke is a physician. He's a doctor, uh, which would give him at least some level of education more than the average person. We know from the book of Acts that Luke was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. In fact, there are places in Acts where he's included in the action. For example, Acts chapter 16, when Paul is in Troas, all of a sudden the author of Acts is with Paul. We went and did. We sailed to. And notice you get that we. Um, The author is including himself in the story and the action. Scholars frequently refer to these sections as the we sections in Acts. And these we sections appear off and on throughout the last few chapters of Acts as Luke travels with Paul and then stays behind in a particular place. And then Paul picks him up again and he rejoins the action. And so we see Luke being part of the ministry of the Apostle Paul really in the latter half of his life. In fact, he's with Paul as Paul travels to Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey. Um, and then he's Paul's arrested there, and Luke is involved in all that. In fact, it's quite possible that it's during those two years where Paul is under arrest in Caesarea that Luke takes the, that time to do some of the research that leads to uh, the Gospel of Luke and even to some of the things in the book of Acts. And then he's with Paul as Paul travels from Caesarea and Jerusalem, where he's imprisoned, to Rome, where Paul continues to be imprisoned. And so some of the stories in Acts are actually firsthand accounts from Luke's own experience in his uh, traveling with the Apostle Paul. All of this would suggest that Luke was likely of a higher social status in the ancient world. He's, he's a doctor, so he has more education. The fact that he can uh, travel with Paul at various times suggests that he has uh, a little more freedom of movement and thus resources and time and space to do so. And so uh, it's quite possible that uh, Luke is a little bit more well-off or at least of a higher social status of some sort. Now, as you begin reading the book of Acts, just let me just offer a little bit of an overview to help you get the lay of the land. It's a fairly large book. There's a lot of stuff that happens. And so let me offer a bit of a map, a bit of an overview to help you get sort of the lay of the land so you can read it and really begin to get a sense of what's happening in the story. Uh, Acts has two distinct parts, chapters 1 through 12 and chapters 13 through 28. Chapters 1 through 12 focus on the Apostle Peter. He's the primary character, the primary actor in those chapters. Chapters 13 through 28 focus on the Apostle Paul. So you sort of almost get this balance between Peter and Paul. Chapters 1 through 12 focus largely on Jerusalem and the surrounding area around Jerusalem and the eastern Mediterranean. Chapters 13 through 28 focus on the the broader Greco-Roman world as the gospel begins to move outward from the Jews and from Jerusalem and from Judea all the way out into the broader Roman world. And so Acts actually follows the geographical breakdown that Luke mentions at the beginning of the story in Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 
Uh, Jesus' words to the apostles are, You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And that geographical breakdown really, in some regards, outlines the story of the book of Acts. The first seven chapters primarily focus on Jerusalem. We get a few notes about Judea, but the story takes place in Jerusalem and focuses there. Acts 8 through 12, now we begin to move outward into Judea and into Samaria. And then beginning in chapter 13, we get the call of Paul and Barnabas to take the gospel further out. And so now we begin moving to the ends of the earth, to the broader Greco-Roman world. And so Acts follows that geographical breakdown scene in Acts 1.8. And Acts really covers about a 30-year period, the first 30 years in the history of the church, showing us how it spread and how it grew and how we, we move from the gospel, right? Like the gospel of Luke and the other gospels and the work of Jesus and the life of Jesus and how that continued and the mission and the message and the restoration of all things in and through what Jesus accomplished really continued in those first 30 years through the work of the apostles. So Luke tells tells the story in such a way to make it clear that one of his main purposes is to show how the gospel and the church got started and established in Jerusalem and then continued to grow and spread throughout the Roman world. Um, in fact, one of the things that we, we often miss in our modern formats for the book of Acts is we miss how Luke has actually organized the story. Luke has organized the story almost like a six-acts play. And one of the things that would help us see that is the refrains that summarize the action at various points throughout the story. And those refrains help us see Luke's point. Let me just note those refrains for you so it'll help you see the structure of the book. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Notice that right in the middle of a chapter. That's why we often miss these. It, it says, So the word of God kept on spreading, and a, the number of disciples continued to increase. That's the end of Act 1. Then, uh, 9.31, after the conversion of the Apostle Paul, it says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, and it continued to increase. Then again, in chapter 12, verse 24, But the word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. Then again, 16.5, in the middle of Paul's missionary journey, it says, So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. And then again, in 1920, it says, so the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. And so this refrain shows up repeatedly in the book of Acts. And inside the hub, which at the time of this recording is yet to be released, but it's coming soon. Inside the hub, I'll have a chart with a overview so you can see all the stories of Acts and you can see the various uh, panels in this six-act play. I also have an outline in there that would be helpful as well. So if you want more details beyond the audio, check out the hub when it goes live. But the main thing to note here is that this is the way Luke has organized the story of Acts, and you hear this 
refrain about growing, increasing, multiplying, which helps us see one of the main purposes of the book of Acts is to show us how the the church grew and how it spread. In fact, within this six-part play, there are roughly around 30 stories, depending on how you break it all down. Uh, And those stories combine to tell the overall big story. Some of those scenes are long. Some of those scenes are short. But all together, they help us see how the early church spread from 120 Jews in the upper room in Jerusalem to thousands of Jesus followers all throughout the empire, including at the very heart of the empire itself, Rome. And the book of Acts ends there in Rome with Paul continuing to tell the story of Jesus right at the heart of empire. And really that opens the way then for us as God's people today to pick up where the story leaves off and say, let's keep doing the same thing. Let's learn from them what made them powerful and faithful and effective. And just like them, let's continue to to spread the mission and message of Jesus all throughout the world. All right, let's note some special facts and features about the book of Acts as we read it that'll help us just, again, read it well. The first is just geography. When I was teaching Acts at the college level, every semester I would have students read through the whole book over the first weekend after we started class and just note some things that made it challenging for them to understand the book. Invariably, most of the students every year said geography was one of the challenges because we're just not super familiar with it. And Acts, particularly as you get into the second half, Paul's going various places, all over the place. Where are these places? And so have a map handy um, and be willing to dig into some geography and try to figure out where some of these places are. Again, I'll have some maps handy on uh, the hub that'll be case specific to the book of Acts that might be helpful. So you can maybe check those out there in the study hub that'll just help you get the lay of the land because we're going to be traveling and we're going to be looking at various places and having some idea of where things are and where's Damascus and where's Antioch and where's Ephesus and Philippi and even Caesarea and Troas. And these are all places that are mentioned. And so having a map handy and being getting a little familiar with the geography will really help you as you read it to read it well. So Get a map handy and be ready to pay attention to some geography. Another special fact and feature is just historical accuracy. Um, There are tons of historical details that just show up in the book of Acts that uh, are just part of the story. They're just incidental details that just happen as the story goes along. And those historical details can either be falsified or verified. And Luke, the author of Acts, has proven over and over again to be a trustworthy historian. For example, cities and regions. Many of the cities mentioned in the book of Acts have been identified. Some have had significant excavations done. Um, There have been minor geographical details that... Uh, once we gained more knowledge of the time period, were verified. For example, the the border of regions. 
um, like simple little things because borders were a little more fluid in the ancient world. And so they would move and they would shift and they would adjust. And so cities sometimes are mentioned as being in a specific region. And whereas we thought, oh, no, it wasn't in that region. It was in a different region. And then all of a sudden we learn more and it's like, oh, it was in that region for this 40 year period or whatever. Like tiny little incidental details like that about cities and regions that, that Luke just gets right. Or titles and rulers. For example, Sergius Paulus on the island of Cyprus. We have an inscription from Sergius Paulus. We even know a little bit about him. Some things that might have even affected why Paul and Barnabas travel from Cyprus up north into the region of Galatia uh, after they left Cyprus. Like that had, may have had something to do with Sergius Paulus because he had some family land in that region. So maybe he sent them with some credentials there. Who knows, right? Or Gallio in Corinth, uh, Acts chapter 18, that uh, Paul was brought before the proconsul Gallio in Corinth. That's actually one of the fixed dates in New Testament chronology because we know when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, he was only proconsul for one year. Uh, and that's from July of 51 to June of 52. So we know when that event happened in Acts chapter 18. Or the title Polytarchs in Thessalonica. Like, Polytarchs is just a real generic title. It literally just means city ruler. Like, come on, we could get more creative than that, right? And so uh, some critics for a while had said that uh, Luke just kind of made up a title, city ruler, real generic, because he didn't know what the city rulers were called in the city of Thessalonica. That all sounded good until we found an inscription that actually, no, uh, they were called polytarchs in Thessalonica, city rulers, and there were five of them. <laughs> So once we learned more, it's like, oh, Luke was right. And so just remarkable little details that could that have verified Luke's trustworthiness as a historian. Even things like customs and practices, uh, the shrines and devotion to Artemis mentioned in Acts 19, how they were the guardian of her image that fell from the sky. Right? That, that was like a uh, local legend. In fact, the temple of Artemis in Ephesus was uh, noted as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, or uh, bringing a Gentile into the temple in Jerusalem. Well, uh, that's what got Paul arrested at the end of the book of Acts and uh, him being arrested for the whole rest of the book, right? Is he was accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple uh, there in Jerusalem. Well, there was actually an inscription in a little wall around the temple proper inside the temple complex in Jerusalem written in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew so that everybody could read it to make sure no one missed it that if a Gentile passes beyond this wall, uh, you will have yourself to blame for his your death, which follows, right? Like the, the Jews took this very seriously. So the, the fact that they got so incensed when they thought Paul brought a Gentile into the temple makes sense in view of what we know from archaeology. And so Luke has proven to be a remarkably trustworthy historian with all these incidental little details in the book of Acts. Uh, another important special fact and feature that shows up in the book of Acts is just the work and the role of the Holy Spirit. At every major turn in the book of Acts, every major movement uh, of the forward progress of the gospel, the Spirit is present and at work. So much so that some scholars have said, 
Acts should probably more aptly be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit rather than the Acts of the Apostles. For example, um, the Apostles will be empowered by the Spirit to witness, according to Jesus in Acts chapter 1. The Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and 3,000 Jews are baptized on that very day. The Spirit comes in a very visible, special sort of way, though we're not given the details. We're, it's noted that it was seeable. It was visible. So the Spirit comes in a visible sort of way through the apostles to welcome the Samaritans into the family, which was the first time the gospel goes cross-cultural and God didn't want uh, the the church to be divided along the same lines that uh, the, you know, the the family of Jacob was divided between Jews and Samaritans. And so the Spirit comes to unite them together in a very special sort of way. Or again, with the Gentiles, the Spirit comes on the Gentiles when they are first welcomed into the family uh, in Acts 10 and 11, comes on the Gentiles in a powerful, dramatic way to convince Peter and the Jews that God wants the Gentiles into the family too. So we see this movement of the Spirit drawing people in or marking moments of bringing new people into the family. And over and over, the Spirit directs Paul's ministry in the second half of the book of Acts. And so the work of the Spirit is central to the forward progress of the gospel and the church in the book of Acts. And then one last special fact and feature here, and that is just the emphasis on Jesus and the resurrection. Proclaiming the gospel in the book of Acts always, always focuses on Jesus and his resurrection. The proclamation of the gospel in the book of Acts isn't so much about how someone gets saved as it is about the fact that Jesus is king, risen from the dead, and exalted to God's right hand. And so the gospel is news. It's news about Jesus. It's not primarily about our response to that news, although that's included. The call to follow Jesus comes once the message about Jesus as risen king is proclaimed. And so Acts helps us see that um, sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, is primarily proclaiming the news that God has sent his son, Jesus himself, raised him from the dead, and Jesus is king, and he's calling all people now to humble, loyal allegiance to himself as king. That's the gospel that's proclaimed in the book of Acts. And so there you have it, sort of an introduction to and an overview of the book of Acts to at least orient us as we begin to work our way through the text and look at this story. And a exciting, powerful, dramatic story it is. So welcome to the book of Acts. I can't wait to share the, the scenes from this great story with you.